Hi, this is Mary Ellen Barrett. And for the next few weeks on the Stay at Home Schooling Mom podcast, we're going to be focusing on sports. This week, we will be exploring the topic of sports in homeschooling. The topic will be energetic sports in your homeschool. And Ginny and I will be talking about how you can do that, what you should focus on, and the importance of having sports in your homeschool. And the following week, we're going to be talking to Coach Joe Patterson, the Director of Athletics at Ave Maria University, and how Ave Maria has kind of incorporated athletics into their whole charism in their university. And it's a really, really good talk. We're also going to be talking to one of their athletes, Brendan Clark, who was a kicker punter for their football team who will be graduating this year. So he's a senior. It's a great, great episode. So I'd like to thank you for joining us in the next couple of weeks for our sports-oriented episodes. Take care and God bless. Hello and welcome to the Stay at Homeschooling Mom podcast. I am Mary Ellen Barrett and I am joined by my dear friend, Ginny Sufrit. We have a great topic to dig into you for today, but before we get started, I want to tell you that if you are interested in Catholic homeschooling, Catholic family life, homekeeping, liturgical living, or general mothering topics, please go to where you listen to podcasts and acquaint yourself with the five-star review button below that Stay at Homeschooling Mom podcast. This allows our podcast to reach more people interested in these topics and helps get our generous sponsors, primarily Seton Home Study School, in front of more listeners. So click on that five-star. It costs you nothing. And we receive no remuneration for it, which does not seem fair, but we are Catholic mothers and we are very used to suffering. Right, Jenny? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and by the way, if you look up our podcast and you really don't want to give us five stars, feel free to move on. and <laughs> Just keep going. Keep going. It's okay. <laughs> we have a really kind of cool topic today, though. We um, do. Which is a little, it's on homeschooling, but it's more on, on just Catholic family life. And that is energetic physical sports. Now, first of all, those of us that are enrolled in Seton or another program where you have to actually have a grade for gym, uh, most of us just do some sort of sports thing. My son, you know, was a pitcher on his little league team, so he gets an A, that sort of thing. Most of us are not doing any kind of like lesson plans for gym. But maybe we should think about it a little more carefully. You know, years and years ago, I became very interested in the work of a man by the name of John Taylor Gatto. New Yorkers might remember him. You'd have to be a little bit older. He won several uh, teaching awards in New York City. He was teacher of the year several times. He became teacher of New York State, uh, teacher of the year in New York State. And New York's a big state, a big population. So to get that was was quite a quite an accomplishment. But after winning all these awards, he actually took out an op-ed page in a New York City newspaper and said he was quitting teaching because he could no longer hurt children to make a living. Wow. Yeah, it was a big wow. deal at the it time. It was a big deal at the time. This is going back like 25 years now. But anyhow, one of his ideas, so I became interested in him. Uh, he's written several books. He he used to go to these big prep schools where kids turned out like to be geniuses and going to the Ivies and everything and tried to figure out what these schools were doing. And one of his big points was energetic physical sports are not just a nice thing to do. It's not an extracurricular. It's central to developing a child both their body and their character. And I'm going to give you six reasons. Mary Ellen and I are going to give you six reasons uh, that I kind of came up with on my own why sports play a really important role in future success. By the way, I have a son that went to a really highly ranked college because he was a pitcher. It also brings in scholarship money. We all know about that. Uh, but, but it does more than just the scholarship money. And so we'd like to talk about the advantages of it. And then after we talk about why Mary Ellen and I think it's kind of cool to give your kids lots of sports opportunities. I want to give you three that John Taylor Gatto came up with, which might surprise you. Okay. Yeah. So let's start with the first one. Sports build focus and attention. And experience has proven that kids who exercise vigorously, especially in the fresh air, perform better, which is really important to homeschools. Um, students need to get outside and move, which we have said a million times in this podcast. Like they have to get fresh air and exercise, have to, have to, have to. 
after the CCSS were introduced. That's the common, that's the common core state standards. Right. We're Not everybody may know that. Right. That's true. That's true. Ginny um, is an expert in that. She spent so oh, many oh, years. I hate research. It. <laughs> she hated it so much she became an expert in it. Um, after they were introduced into the public schools about 10 years ago, many schools limited outside recess and those that kept it did far better. And I know around here, um, it is in New York, it is quite limited. Um, in New York City, some schools don't have it at all recess. Well, and so my sister-in-law quit really because of this. She was a kindergarten teacher in the Bronx and uh, she was very, very regulated what the way she could teach because of the common core state standards. There was virtually no recess. And mind you, these kids live in the Bronx. They're not going to go home to houses that have backyards and front yards and places to play. And so she was taking the kids out to the parking lot and just letting them run around the parking lot. And she was corrected for it. And she said, well, she said, we're, we're actually studying area and perimeter. So she lied. She said they'd made oh, liars good out for of her. They said they'd made her. a liar out of me because I wanted these poor kids to get fresh air and sunshine. So uh, there was a school in Texas that put in a mandatory hour of recess, outdoor recess every day. And they saw their, uh, their standardized test scores go way up, which yeah. you would think taking away an hour of school time would do just the opposite. But no, these because when they sit down to learn, their minds are ready to absorb. Right. They it, You get the wiggles out. I mean, especially for very small children, they just need that time to just burn off some energy. And we've all seen it in our kids. You let them go outside and play for a little while and they come back. You wash your hands, wash your face, settle down, you know, eat an orange or something and <laughs> sit down and focus. And they can then. They can. Yeah. It just it's just the way kids are wired, particularly boys, but girls too. They need that time outside and fresh air and burning off that energy is just good for them. And I would particularly small kids, but I would say right up until, you know, 17, 18 year olds, they really need that physical activity. Frankly, to be honest with you, this time when we're taping this when it's still a little bit cold, spring is coming, but it's still a little bit cold. I need that outside time. Yeah. I do too. Just I like to a get walk. outside, take a walk with it, not freezing to death. I think we all we all benefit from it. And actually, mm-hmm. there's been some uh, medical studies done that what they call a forest bath, going out and walking in nature, going on yeah. a nature trail, actually has health, has health benefits. It's not just that we kind of sort of feel better emotionally, but that somehow I don't know the there's chemicals in, in coniferous trees that make us that have an effect on our brain or something. So going outside and being active is good for all of us. And it's an absolute necessity. Being out in creation. I mean, God created outside. It's good for you. <laughs> and, it does, and it does give you it's an appreciation. You. One of the things where I'm best at praying, and I'm not always as good as prayer as should be, I am so grateful to God when I take a walk on a beautiful day. Oh, I truly yes. am. I truly yeah. am. So absolutely necessary. The other thing is when I was thinking about this years ago, I did a, um, I found a master's thesis or maybe it was a doctoral dissertation or something. Somebody who had studied masters in their field. In other words, the greatest chess players, the greatest ice skaters, the greatest mathematicians, whatever it is, the greatest uh, French horn players, it could be. And what these people said is, well, talent counts. So all the people that are close to the top are talented. But what makes you a true master in any field is thousands of hours of deliberate practice and training. Right. And that's our number two. Practice makes perfect. And athletes, they know that better than anybody, really. I mean, and we know that because we both have kids who are musicians and athletes and stuff like that. Um, And it's just hour after hour of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that benefits you in so many aspects of your life. So many. It aspects. does. And when we hear parents talk about, well, my, my son just does, you know, he's having trouble learning his times tables. Well, he has to practice them. He has to practice them all the time. And if he's learned how to practice and apply himself by shooting hoops, a hundred hoops a day. So he's, he gets better at basketball. Well, he can take that same character trait and bring it to learning his, his times tables or his spelling words or whatever it might be. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, the kid who's enthusiastic about shooting those hoops will be less enthusiastic about memorizing geometry, geometry theorems, but the skill set is kind of the same. You have to just bring that focus and attention and that same perseverance to those two skills. And the athlete will do that. They will be, f- and they will have the focus and attention, and they know that they have to practice, and eventually they will get there. 
they will they will get there they will memorize the thing or they will they will perfect the thing or they will get better at the thing whatever it is athletes yeah. are good at that and it, it's just training certain just training. jobs you know um through the years i have a lot of kids and they've applied they're all working now and they've applied for different jobs certain jobs look for former athletes former college athletes because they know they'll have the self discipline yeah to apply themselves to the job at hand well i think if i were hiring somebody i would want to Somebody, I, well, if it were between two candidates and one of them had been on a team, even if they weren't the star athlete on the team, I would think that that commitment and that kind of focus would benefit an employee. So right. I might pick that person. While they're in college, they're not getting drunk. <laughs> they're, right, they're, yeah. they're practicing. You know, they, there's a lot to be said for practice makes perfect. And you learn that through athletics, but it applies to so many areas of your life. It applies to your schoolwork. It applies to your professional life. Frankly, it applies to your home life. You may be horrible at cleaning your kitchen. Work at it every day. You'll get better. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, housekeeping and housework and all that kind of stuff. It re- time management. I mean, you have to fit in time to practice things, right? Yeah. I mean, the kid who's shooting hoops, he might have to do his homework first, or he might have to do his schoolwork or go to his part-time job, but he might be doing it at 11 o'clock at night. But if he wants to get better at it, he'll find time to do it. Right. right. So, I mean, time management does have to be part of that. And that is a big skill that people have to learn in life. An immense skill that people very often, and um, I think the most famous story of this is Michael Jordan, who might be the greatest basketball player of our time, of all time, right? whoever lived, and he didn't make his freshman basketball team. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the skills, and his mom, to her credit, said, you just practice, son, you're going to make it. And that's what he did. He practiced literally shot a thousand hoops a day or something like that until he got so good at it that he became the greatest of all time. He's the goat. I saw him give, um, it wasn't a Ted talk, but it was some kind of inspirational talk. He, and there was a clip of it on YouTube and his, the upshot of it was that he, time management plays a huge role in how he manages his life. And even, uh, post his sports career, like in his, uh, retirement years because, you know, he has several businesses and all of this stuff. And the man is very focused. Like there's not a minute of his day that's not scheduled and focused and all that stuff. And the whole training process of becoming that extraordinary athlete was part of how he learned how to do all of that stuff. Right. I wish I could remember where I saw that because it was a really good thing. It was a, it was like a really good talk, and he said he's he was a very dynamic speaker. But the the point was that that athletic training, like prepared him for his post athletic life and being successful in business. Because a lot of athletes aren't, you know, a lot of, at that. Oh level. no, a lot of them they lose because, their money. They right, yeah, they they kind of fritter while, their yeah. time away, and they they spend money on ridiculous things. And he's you know not done that. So I I thought that was very interesting, and and yes. he's a smart guy, smart guy. So sports build focus and attention. They teach kids how to practice to perfect their skills. They also teach kids how to win and lose graciously Mm. and how to keep it in perspective. No sore losers. There's no sore losers. It's a horrible thing to see. It's very unattractive in sports. It's unattractive in business. It's unattractive in life. And you get the kid who cries because he got a, a 60 on his spelling test. Yeah. Oh, well, you should have worked harder, work harder next time. Yeah. This, yeah. I, you know, and, and you do get a lot. Of, I, I see this on social media, a lot on the homeschooling pages. Oh, my son is just so discouraged. He's really struggling in whatever it is, you know, geometry. Well, he has to work harder at it. Yeah. And he has to learn that even sometimes, and this is, I think, a really good lesson. Sometimes, despite our best efforts, we still fail. Right. We're just not good at something. And that's that's just the way it is in life. Well, maybe sometimes. you're good at it, but somebody else was better at it than you yeah. were. You know, my the, the son I talked about that got the scholarship, he was uh, the head pitcher on the top, uh, st- top Pony League state team in the state of Illinois when he was 13 years old. Wow. His team won. Next year, they went back at fourth, as 14-year-olds. They made it to the finals again, and his team lost. <laughs> and... There you go. I don't know that he became a rotten pitcher. No, he was a perfectly fine pitcher. But the, for whatever reason, the other team simply did better. And you still have to go out on the field. And you know how they all kind of do high fives after after a game is over. Yeah. They still, and they say, good game, good game, good game. This is a really important trait to learn. And I was at a, a another one of my grandkids' baseball 
games not too long ago. And this one kid was great. He was obviously the top player on his team. And the last, the last inning, the last inning, he was up at bat. And I don't remember why he struck. I don't know if he struck out or he you know, it was a fly ball and somebody caught it. I don't remember what happened, but he was the last out. And he was, the kid was maybe eight or nine at the time. And he kind of goes over to his mom and he's crying, right? And I felt bad for him because he clearly was a, a top player. But then his dad came over and said, all right, they're going, they're lining up now. And he doesn't want to go. And he starts crying and his mother doesn't, his mother didn't make him go. Uh, and I thought, big mistake, lady. I would have made him go. Yeah. I would have made him go too. Dry your eyes and just go, man Dry up. Dry your eyes and go, man <laughs> up and just say, good, this good game. This is what we do. This, this is, is how we behave. This is what we do. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking, oh, this is a big mistake. Big yeah. mistake you're making here. I mean, and we all love our kids and nobody wants to see our kids disappointed. You know what? Yeah. At that age, you buy them an ice cream. It's all gone. Yeah. All yeah, and yeah. And you you fall apart in the car on the way home but, and you have the ice cream or the the treat after. It's It's really hard. There are going to be a lot of instances in life where you just have to swallow your feelings for a little while and smile and and know that you could have done better or somebody was just better than you and it's hard. It's really hard. It was but bad you luck. Have to, yeah. Whatever it was, or it's but just you bad have, luck. Yeah. You have there to was, keep it in perspective. There was um this is in the early two thousands and um it was Tiger Woods who at the time I mean he's you know had his issues since then but at the time he was arguably he was the, the greatest he was, he was the, the greatest goat. golfer ever yeah and it was um. It wasn't the Masters, but it was a big tournament. I forget which one. And he was, just as he was putting, a cameraman got like in front of him or near him and and kind of threw off his shot. Oh. And he turned around and looked at him. And you could tell by just for a moment, the look on his face, he wanted to beat him. But he, <laughs> and, and he would have been completely justified. I mean, there's millions of dollars at stake in these things and, and winning a tournament. And he just, for a split second, and then he took a breath and he just moved on. Yeah. And I thought, well, okay, class act there for Malik. Right. He just, you know, he really, and he, he didn't win. And that stroke might've been it. You know, and it cost. It could have cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars. It could have, and I just remember. I don't remember all of the circumstances, but I distinctly remember the look on his face and thinking, <laughs> "I don't know if I could have been that self-controlled." But that's right. part of what you learn in being a, a top athlete is yep. that kind of self-control. We don't whine, we don't cry, we don't act like a baby. You know, we we move on. We we yeah. accept our failures. We accept these little defeats or these big defeats, and we move on. And that. That's a great lesson for life. And it's a big lesson in homeschooling. So you did a rotten job on this week's spelling test. Study harder next week. You'll do a better job next week. Or you don't get into the college that you really want to get into. Right. Yeah. Which is a huge disappointment. And it can feel like your life is over. But you know what? You're 17 and your life is not over. Right. And <laughs> maybe it's the college that God wants you to go to is the next one. Or maybe you reapply next year. You do, you go to community college and you get your grades up and you try again next year. You know, there's, God always has a plan for you. So you have to learn how to accept these defeats and, and competitive sports and, and all kinds of sports are just good preparation for these kinds of dis disappointments in life. They are. Um, anyhow, uh, uh, the next one I think is so key to homeschooling mm. and that is to learn to play by the rules and sports have really strict rules. You get three strikes and then you're out. You don't get a fourth <laughs> strike because you're a nice kid. Because mommy loves you. Because <laughs> mommy loves you. Uh, you know, no amount of whining gets that for you. And we have to learn the same thing in our homeschools. Mm -hmm. That now we love our kids, but the fact is that schooling comes with rigid rules too. Mm -hmm. And I am shocked at the number of parents who you will talk about book reports. Uh, you know, my son really isn't enjoying the book. Well, by all means, get him a book he enjoys more. Sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I have no problem with that at all. But I do have a problem when say, well, have him listen to it on Audible. No, it's a book report. You're supposed to read the blessed book. Yeah, because that doesn't do the kid any favors in, in the long run. I mean, to me, listening to a book is more about entertainment than actual scholarly approach to reading. You really have to learn how to read a book. Yeah, you're not underlining. You're not underlining right. points it's, if you're listening to it on Audible. Right, you can't go back and kind of like 
you know, really absorb something the way you, your brain does. I think your brain probably processes something differently when you're reading it than when you're listening to it. Um, I don't know. It's just different. I, for me, it's entertainment. Like I love listening to books myself personally. Um, my kids do, we listen to them in the car. I think it's great. I think if you read the book and you want to listen to it again, I think that's terrific. Well, that's kind of what I did a lot of. So mostly in high school, when the kids would read Shakespeare, for example, or Seton students have to read uh, Man for All Seasons by Robert Bolt. Yeah. I would let the kids yeah. read it. But then because these are plays, they were intended to be Listen acted to, out. Yeah. yeah. Now, we would actually get like a, a video of it and, and, yes. and, and watch a play. But I wanted them to read it first. I wanted yeah. them to understand what they're going to see before they actually see it. Um, but not getting onto that too much. The fact is that sports come with, with pretty rigid rules. Yeah. You go yeah. outside the foul line, <laughs> you, you fouled, period, amen. Um, we have to do that in our homeschools too. We right. really do. If they a have test, to learn to play by the rules. If it's, if a test is meant to be taken online, um, just taken online, then it shouldn't be an open book test. Then don't right. open the book. Right. Um, things like that. There, there are rules, there are academic standards, and it doesn't serve children well figure out ways to skirt around these rules so that's I, I, it's I think just that's a really important lesson in our homeschools and by the way just to throw it out to people because I, there was a lot of confusion in this when I first started homeschooling um it's okay to make a um a study guide for your kids sure you can look at the test and you can Do circle the, the questions that the child's going to have to memorize or whatever it is that's not cheating that's I and I think it's from my own years in school. I can remember sister writing things on the board and like putting an X and X to it. Like, study this. This is going to be on the test. So right. we all knew it was going to be on the test. But what we couldn't do was write it down on a piece of paper and bring the crib note into the test. Right. Or on the palm of your hand. Or on the palm of your hand. <laughs> have that kid in the class. <laughs> we always had one of those in our we always had one of those in our class. But the, the fact is, some things are cheating and some things are not. We're going to do another podcast, I think on integrity at some point. But uh, right now, just to, to mention, the rule, following the rules means you, doesn't mean you can't prepare a kid for a test. What it means is the kid can't sit there and look up the answers as he's going. Right. Unless so, it's an open book test. So uh, following the rules is really important. Yeah, um, you don't want to get thrown out of the game. <laughs> yeah. The next one is to avoid the devil's workshop. What is the devil's workshop? <laughs> do we all remember? Do we all remember what that is? Well, I don't know. Idle when I first time. read this, I was like, what? <laughs> idle time is the devil's workshop. You're goofing around too much. <laughs> I know. Idle time is the devil's workshop. If you, so a hundred years ago, even less than a hundred years ago, uh, Mary and Ellen and I were talking before we started taping. My dad was a depression kid and he got his first actual job where he worked for a company when he was 12 years old. Uh, this was common because families had no money and they needed food money. Um, if you were a farmer kid, where I live in Kentucky now, all of the people my age who grew up here didn't have running water. So somebody went out to the well every morning and brought in buckets of water and brought in the wood for the wood stove. We had a tremendous amount of work just to keep our homes running and kids had to help. Right. Kids absolutely had to help. And now we have so many appliances and <laughs> You know, yeah. you don't have to do that stuff when you turn on a tap and the water's right there. Nobody's fetching water for you. And we've taken this kind of like um, Mr. Rogers said quite famously, and he was correct, that work, a play is a child's work. And he was talking about toddlers yeah. <laughs> where they're learning to process their environment. And they're learning to detach themselves from their mother in ways that, you know, their personal autonomy. They're learning to feed themselves and they're learning to to stack blocks and they're learning to use their their motor skills and things like that. And that's all very appropriate. So they're playing. He didn't mean that they should never pick up their toys <laughs> or, <Right. laughs> like, you know, fold their washcloth and put it on the sink or little things like that. Um, but we've we've taken this in our society to mean that children should never do any work until they're, you know, in college or out of college or something like that. Um, and we don't need their work the way we used to. 
Right. Exactly. We don't need them to go fetch the wood or, you know, whatever it is, all that kind of stuff. Take care of the animals, get the eggs out of the the hen house. Right. Unless you're an actual (laughs) homesteader, you don't really need that. So with with all of this free time, it is very good for them to participate in some kind of sport, whether it be a team sport or like my my boys do um, karate. So and then because they were doing it and um, my husband thought it was a great idea, so he joined them. So my husband is now a black belt in karate. Wow. Yeah, oh, and my best. son Kevin is a black belt. Um and Brendan, the 14-year-old is taking his test in June, his black belt test, and Bridget will be taking hers in the fall. Wow. So she's a couple belts behind. But yes, um don't break into this house cuz you are going to get your butt <laughs> handed to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, they're incredible these kids. I, I Bridget came home 2 weeks ago with a bloody nose. Oh gee. Yeah, because they spar. And so, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, my baby girl. (laughs) She was most upset because she forgot to block. Okay. She was less upset about the bloody nose. You know what? (laughs) And and, and the thing is, while they're doing this, while they're doing, and I had girls that were ice skaters, quite high level ice skaters. And they all played softball. We had baseball players. We had soccer players. Uh, We we, we we did it all. We did Mm -hmm. it all. And when they're doing that, what they're not doing is on video games hour after right hour after because hour this it request they also they they're doing the karate twice a week at the the dojo but they're also doing a lot of exercise and prep work at right. home we have mats we have uh, the things that they kick and punch and all kinds of stuff around here <laughs> <laughs> it's great <laughs> there's always somebody kicking and punching um and then my daughter's also did irish step dance for many years which is athletic athleticism so you know include dance and that kind of thing in their ballet dance all that kind of stuff whenever they're moving their bodies and like Ginny said they're hours and hours of this kind of work just keeps them off the internet it keeps them from gossipy friend nonsense drama teen drama all that kind of stuff that's messing with their emotions at, at you know, in the middle school and teen years, which is complete waste of time. <laughs> it's healthy for them. It's just healthy. Um, and, and they've and discovered right. that girls, especially because you just brought up the girls with the gossipy, mean girl stuff that's going on today, Such unrelenting garbage. because of social media. Uh, what they've discovered is girl athletes are less likely to get sexually, uh, you know, become sexually active in high school. They're less likely to take drugs or or get yeah. drunk or all those things. And they're and they're more likely to finish high school, to get good grades while they're in high mm-hmm. school, and to go on to college. Right. And if they stay athletically active, women are less likely to be victims of domestic violence and less likely to be victims of violence in general. So it's just healthy for women to be physically active. It is. So even if you don't, you know, stay in a soccer league into your 30s, but if you're an active person, if you play go to tennis. the gym, if you, yeah, if you play, play uh, badminton, t- play anything, if you, yeah. if you're a runner or you just go to the gym a couple times a week, just be an active person. Um, it's just good for you in, in many different ways, not just physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. It's all good for you. And, and it makes you an accomplisher. Yeah, accomplish things. That's right. And I we talk about it for men because men are built to be physically active, that hunter-gatherer thing, but it is also very good for young girls and women. I know I I can't say that enough. It's really good for women to be physically active people. I think they get a confidence too. If sure. it's true that that they're less likely to be, I don't know, molested or beaten up or whatever. I think it's I think those kind of creeps look for look for victims. Sure. Look for a woman who looks like a victim. If you have this, like I remember I used to take the uh, train into Chicago every day. Nobody ever said a word to me. I wouldn't mess with you, Ginny. (laughs) And I said to my girlfriend once, uh, I said, you know, nobody ever bothers me on the train. I said, but I'm a big woman. I'm five foot nine. I'm not a small woman, right? And she said, oh, it has nothing to do with that. She says, I'm five foot one. They don't bother me either. She says, you have that look like, you want to bother with me? You want to mess with me? Come on. Yeah. Come on. It's a confidence thing. And I think creeps who tend to target women are put off by that. Yeah, that's probably true. That they're, they're yeah, put off that, by that. that. That aura of confidence. And I think being physically fit and physically active, and I'm not talking anything about how you look or your weight or anything like that. You know, that's has nothing to do with this. It's just this feeling that you can take care of yourself and that you're physically fit and active. And it is, it's it's that feeling of accomplishment. And it's yeah. just good for you. It's just Gives very you good for you. 
And it's and and that type of confidence will spill over into your schoolwork. Sure. I, 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 I conquered, you know, my my waltz jump. <laughs> now I can conquer right. my spelling words. Yeah. Yeah. I hit a home run. I can do this. I achieved yep. that belt in karate. I can do this. I, you know, flipped that backflip in gymnastics. I can do this. You can do anything. It's really good for kids. It is really good for kids. Um, the other thing we had talked about this, we have another podcast where we spoke to Joseph Pierce and we talked about the value of recitation and that the, in his case, we're talking about reciting poetry. Right. Because it is good for kids to be able to stand up in front of an audience, even just a, a small audience of your family at dinner time, and recite a poem or something of that nature. Sports teaches kids how to play to a crowd. Sure. Yes. There's a lot of poise involved. There's a lot of, um, oh, I don't know. It's just it's it's good for you to be able to just stand up in front of a crowd and do something, right? Even when there's you know, bases are loaded and there's two strikes and you're the one getting up to that plate. You still have to do it. You have to do it in front of a crowd. And these days, parents are not very relaxed about it. You'll see, come on, yeah. Billy, come on, you can do it. On the other hand, is going, eh, eh, you're trying to throw you off. So, right. It's nerve wracking. It is a little nerve wracking. Uh, I watched my my uh, grandson's basketball game. And it was like the tournament game, the one that they needed to win. And, uh, you know, when the, the kids are shooting foul shots, the, the team, their team is like putting their arms up and they're going, oh, and the other <laughs> side is making all sorts of obnoxious sounds to throw the kid off. I know. But the fact is they still have to stand there and they have to make that shot or blow that shot one or the other. Oh, gosh. And sports teaches kids to play to a crowd. And someday many of those kids will have to stand in front of their committee. Mm -hmm. and say, this is my recommendation for the way this committee should go. And I'm trying to sell you on this plan or this program. So you and just even applying for a job, if you go in to apply for a job, yeah. you have to sort of sell yourself. Yeah. And you, you're going to need some confidence and you're going to need to to be in a nerve wracking situation. And, and that is all going to go to helping you. Do you want to hear a funny story? Sure. <laughs> I, I have always this up for one. <laughs> sweet um, Nana, my Nana, my Irish Nana. She was such a sweet lady. She wore floral dresses and hats to church. And she was a dyed-in-the-wool Mets fan. I mean, since the beginning of the Mets. She loved them. She used to go down to Port St. Lucie and watch them in spring training. Eddie Cranepool knew who she was. She just she was just like a crazy Met fan. And my brother played in Little League, and she went to every one of his games. And once, there, I guess, there was a bad ump. I remember this. My brother couldn't have been more than eight or nine years old. Um and she yelled at the ump to the point where she got thrown off the little <laughs> oh, <she> field. <laughs> my sweet little old lady. Little old Nana got thrown. My mother wanted to kill her. It was my mother's mother. She <laughs> wanted to kill her. She was so embarrassed. The team thought it was great. The team thinks it's great. <laughs> well, now, now that we've talked about Nana, this might be a, a really good time. You know, Seton Home Study School is our primary sponsor of these podcasts. But we do have other sponsors, and we very much appreciate uh, the help that they give us to keep this podcast going. So maybe we'll take a short break now and contemplate Nana and think about our sponsor. <laughs> Hello, this is Steve Minnis, president of Benedictine College. I was honored to be the commencement speaker for Seton this year. We find that students coming from Seton excel here at Benedictine. And one of those leaders on our campus is a Seton graduate, Renee Latafe from Georgia. That's right. I'm Renee Latafe, and I graduated from Seton in 2020. I've found my place here at Benedictine College, where greatness begins. I love it here, and you can learn more at benedictine.edu. All right. Thank you very much to our sponsor, and thanks for sticking with us. So here we have... Three more reasons for students to engage in energetic sports from our master teacher, John Taylor Gatto. 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 Yes, Gatto. <laughs> like the cat, Gatto. Yes. Okay. And the so first one, mom doesn't want to hear this. Tell them what it is. Mom doesn't want to hear it. You learn to handle pain. I know. We don't like to think about that when we, we do. don't. We don't like your daughter it at came all. home with a bloody nose from karate. I know. You wanted to go I, beat the guy up, right? I did. And it was her brother, though. <laughs> it was her brother. <laughs> was her little brother. Oh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> I know. They're all in the same dojo together. And uh it was it was upsetting when you're sparring with your brother. Like who do you who do you yell at? You know? <laughs> I, I had this moment of thinking of that poor woman 
but she seemed happy enough this this past Super Bowl where the two brothers were playing each other. Yeah. Remember that lady? I and do she, remember that. Yeah. Yes. And she had this outfit where it was like the shirt was half one team and half and the half other. The other. <laughs> Just thought, well, how does she deal with this? But she's a winner either way. But but um, I had the bloody nose kid and the and <laughs> the kid who was like kind of ashamed for having hit his sister, but then kind of glad he gave somebody a bloody nose. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, look at what I did. But oh my gosh, I hit my sister. And I said what? to her, like, you know, why didn't you block? She was mad at herself for not blocking. Not blocking. Well, the thing is, I, so most of my kids played either softball or baseball. And if you get hit by a pitched ball, that's called stitching. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yes. Because you can see the line of the stitches. I mean, those pitches come in pretty quickly. And you yeah. can see the line of the stitches on the child's leg or arm or wherever the kid gets hit. And um, it hurts. It hurts like the Dickens, as a mm-hmm. matter of fact. But the fact is that you'll hear people, parents, their parents who love them say, all right, shake it off. There's no crying in softball. Take your base. And you know your child is hurt. And we moms especially hate to see that. But the fact is there's no crying in softball. You have to take your base. Right. And learning to deal calmly with pain and continue towards a goal, continue towards that belt, despite the pain, is useful in every single walk of life. It is. It really is. I mean, we've heard all the stories about the football player who plays on the sprained ankle or, you know, all of these kinds of stories. And it it sounds debilitating, but there is a point in life, especially as a mother or a father, where you're in pain or you don't feel well or just, and you have to get up and do it anyway. You have to go to work. You have a family to take care of. Whatever it is, you have to get up and do it anyway. It just happens to all of us at some point. And athletics is something that teaches you that. And it's just an unfortunate part of life. It is an unfortunate part. And again, we moms hate to see it. And I I think we want to, our first first, uh, idea is, well, I'm comforted. But in sports, you're not comforting it. In sports, they have to take the base. Right. And I I think it's probably the worst thing you can do. Um, My Erin used to play soccer, and she was a pretty good goalie when she was young. And goalies get hit in the head with the the soccer ball quite often, like smacked in the face with it. And the worst thing you can do as a mom is to to run on the field, like when they get knocked over. Yeah. Because they don't want you to do that. The team doesn't want you. The kid does not want you to run on the field. So if you're the baseball player who gets hit with the pitch or, you know, the the football player who gets injured or the soccer kid who gets hit and the kid goes down and all as a mother, all you want to do is run on that field and grab them and say, my baby, what's wrong? (laughs) What happened? Everybody stop. You can't do it. You just can't can't. do it. And and we cannot, sadly, very sadly, we cannot control how our children's lives will go. And some of them will suffer physical pain. Some of them will suffer emotional pain. Uh, and they have to learn how to deal with it and continue on towards their goal. Right. And sports teaches that. Sports teaches that. So John Taylor Gatto said it was essential in the leader to learn how to handle pain. Oh, um, it is. And it is, and, and I mean, I could get choked up thinking about it, but it is. It's it, And there's going to be physical pain. There's going to be emotional pain. and and we want to fix all the boo-boos and we can't, you just yeah. can't. <laughs> we can't. And, and it's good preparation for life for them to learn how to fix their own boo-boos. Yeah. How to, you know, rub the sore spot and keep going. Ugh, I know, and but it's hard. It's I really know it hard. is. <laughs> it is. I don't like it. <laughs> There's nothing worse than having your child in pain and not being able to fix it. But you're right. We can't, my mother used to say, you can't make them happy all the time. It's just wrong to even try. Right. It is wrong to even try. It is. Um, the next one is to learn to deal with emergencies. I wouldn't have thought of this, but if you think about it, the starting quarterback is injured and they have to get by with a replacement. The umpire, and I saw this actually a lot with baseball and softball, the umpire calls a weird strike zone and the pitcher or the batter have to sort of make up for it. They have to adjust. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of my daughters were figure skaters. Thank goodness it never happened to them, but I have seen it happen where the kid is doing their routine and all of a sudden the music stops. Oh, gosh. Do you know they keep going? They don't stop. They keep going as though the music were playing. Yeah, well, they couldn't stop right there on the ice. That would be weird. So they keep going. Yeah, all right. So that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, so again, that, sh- that shows some kind of like, you know, poise in the situation. Yeah. The, the unexpected crops up all the time. It does. And you have to be able to think on your feet. You have to be able to adjust to changing circumstances. If you want to be a leader, <laughs> if you want to, you know, 
and, and whatever, whether you're a leader as a mom, like you're a great mom in your house, things are going to happen. Oh, in fact, you and I could write a book on this if we wanted to. How many times did you have a perfect day planned out and one of the kids throws up or something? Oh, <laughs> gosh. <Right>? <laughs> Constantly. Yeah, I just, something just, you know, throws a monkey wrench into the lovely day you have planned or you wake up and you think it's just going to be such a nice, calm day in the house and, you know, just something goes wrong and it's just, you know, everything. Oh, yes. My Maybe my best story was this past Christmas. My daughter and her husband just bought a beautiful new home. It's lovely. And they were so proud to be they were so proud to have us all over for Christmas. My son-in-law is a gourmet chef. I mean, the whole thing was going to be fabulous, right? was during that, remember that cold, cold spell? Oh yeah, that was horrible, yeah. And she, my daughter said to me, you know, she said, the water's not running really well in my bathroom, which is not a good sign. No, not it's a, not. So there we, had, anyhow, things started to de- to uh, warm up a little bit. And there we are in this beautiful house with the food in the oven. Everybody's ready. And the ceiling starts leaking. <gasps> oh no. All over, in several places. It wasn't just one place. Oh no. It, oh, that's wasn't bad. Just, it wasn't just oh, that's... one place in their beautiful new home. So we all had, we had to pack up the food, take it out of the oven, pack it up, go to my other daughter-in-law's house where she raced home first because she hadn't expected company. So she's running the vacuum real fast. Oh, the poor thing. I know. So it was just a poor thing for everybody. This happens. It does. Yeah. Well, it and you, yeah, you always have to be thinking on your feet. And if you're running IBM or if you're running your house with your three little kids, you have to always just be, all right, so what do I have to do next to get I have the to adjust, I have to figure out something else to do. Yeah. And uh, and if it works in life and it works in, in schooling too. Yeah. You know, you had everything planned out. You were going to sit there with little Johnny and help him write his book report today. This is, you put the time aside, you were all ready. And, you know, three, three kids got croup or something like that. It always happens. Yeah. But- I have two good friends who live, you know, fairly close to me in the same town. And we have kids who are in the same when they were all younger. Um, one has six, one had seven. I have eight. Um, and they some of them shared activities and stuff. And we would sit down on a Monday and plan like who was going to drive where, like we were invading Normandy. Yeah. <laughs> like it would just be. And God forbid one little thing had to change and mess up all of these plans for the week. <laughs> but you had to adjust. Okay. We thank God for cell phones. Honestly, I don't know how people right. did it before. All right. Well, I'm going to meet this one here and I'll get this one there. And it was crazy. It was crazy. But you had to think on your feet. And, yeah. and sports does teach you that I guess like emergency situations or you well, know happen all the time adjust sports. you know to the to the current you know climate of what's going on you know, at you the were moment expect, you were expecting your top pitcher to be there but he got sick right yeah or so adjust yeah, I mean it could be it could be a million things you know an ice skater her ankle is sore today and that really does allow people to rise to the rise to the top rise to the occasion like when you when you and your family can adjust to some kind of odd situation or some kind of little crisis in the house or something like that, it really allows your kids to, to rise to the occasion and, and help out and, and, you know, pitch in and do the thing or whatever. And sports really does allow them to rise to the occasion, be team players in that way. So if the pitcher, you know, gets hurt and your, your kid steps in or the designated hitter or whatever they are, and maybe they aren't the best, best, best at it, but they rise to the occasion and they give it their all or the whatever. I, I think that's a really good thing to be the support too. Like they it might sure not is. be the best on the team, but they are a team, team player and they're in there supporting and doing. And I think that's a great thing. And sports really allows that too. So when you're adjusting, let the kids arise, rise to the occasion. And then finally, um, and I saw this in my own family, sports teach kid to be calm and confident leader who inspires confidence in others. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to give a quote from uh John Taylor Gatto, which is going to sound a little off, but energetic physical sports are not a luxury or a way to blow off steam, but they're absolutely the only way to confer grace on the human presence. And that grace translates into power and money later on. Now, you may say, well, I don't want power and money for my kid. Right. Well, actually yeah. you do though. You do want your kid to have enough money to run a household, have a big family. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and 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 power can be you know, we we tend to think of like a Supreme Court justice or a president, but it could just be the power to take on, uh, I don't know, your your parish council, right, or the zoning committee in your town, 
or the school board in your town. We see some what some of these parents are doing with school boards now. Um, I saw this. So the the one son I said who was the, the pitcher in the big team, um, he later on went into the army. Okay, and went into a uh, uh, a unit called the Old Guard. And you might not know who they are, but you've you've seen them. That's the unit at Arlington Cemetery. Ah, uh, yes. And they they do the okay. um, they do the um, the, the funerals, of course, but they also did things like he worked Reagan's funeral. He worked uh, Bush's inauguration. You know, they're, they're kind of a ceremonial unit in many ways. Mm-hmm. They're an infantry unit. They're ready. And many of them have been deployed, but they're also a ceremonial unit. And he would come into a room with that, that uniform on. He dominated the room. Wow. Sure. He dominated the room. And uh, I, I remember reading about George Washington. George Washington was six foot four, which in those days was an extraordinarily tall man. Right. Yeah. People didn't get that tall. Then. No. People were like uh, an average man was five, seven or something like that. And in those days, again, not only before cell phones, but before any kind of walkie talkies or stuff, soldiers followed their leader into battle and they could see George Washington Mm. sitting on that horse. And he inspired them. He absolutely inspired them. His horsemanship, his size is everything. So there is something to be said for learn. I have a daughter that was a ballerina. She's just beautiful. She has a beautiful, graceful way of carrying herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. think sports and physical activity does that. So that when you walk into a room someday to apply for a job and you know how to, uh, but my one grandson, I was so proud of him. He was just a silly little thing. Some neighbors came to our, our cabin. We had the grandkids with us and they said, oh, you have your grandchildren here with you. And he comes right up and puts his hand out and says, hi, I'm, and you know, he mentions his name. And I thought, good for you, kid. Yeah, that's great. And he was maybe great. 10 at the time. But you know, so this is what sports can do for a, a person. Yeah. Where they have this sort of presence about them. So yeah, certain people do. Um, when I worked for the investment bank, when I worked on Wall Street, uh the boss of my area, who later became the president of the entire firm, um, he played football for Duke you know, in the sixties. And, uh, but he was one of those people who commanded presence. Like when he walked on the trading floor, everybody looked up like, Oh gosh, he's here. He's, you know, he's here. He's here. What do we do? What's going on? What does he need? What does he want? He was one of those people. And it was absolutely inevitable that he was going to run this firm at some point. You know, he was just one of those people. And I wouldn't mind if one of the children of somebody listening to this podcast, a devout, faithful Catholic young man or woman, grew up to have power, that kind of presence and power, and used it for good in this world. Actually, I want them to. I, yeah. I, I, I go I beyond, would be, I wouldn't mind. I, yes, I you're right. I all this in to these kids. We're yes, giving up please. our 20s and our 30s and our 40s to homeschool these kids, to raise them to be great Catholics, to let them read great literature and, and, and hear the ideas of great... I want you to take that and I want you to be the next Antonin Scalia. Yes, yes. You you be the next president. You be the next pope. You be the next, I don't, Bishop. you know, I don't care what. Yes, anything like that, please run things. Head of the parish, <laughs> it could, yeah, it could be head of the parish council. Yes. It could be that you run a, a company that makes widgets, that you run it with character and integrity. Yes, yes. I, I want all of the people to be running all of the things who are listening to this. Yes. Yeah. I feel I, I feel really strongly about that, that this is an effort. First of all, we always look at it sort of in the, the micro way that we're going to raise our kids to be good Catholics and to to follow Christ and, and, and not be polluted by the public school system. OK, I agree with that. But now take that and go into the world. And not everybody will be Antonin Scalia, but maybe you're the president of your parish council. Yeah. Or you or you run your, your company. You're a great dad yourself and yes. you're going to raise terrific kids or you're a great mom yourself. You know, one of the things that uh, during COVID, one of my daughters had her kid in a little Catholic school um, just for it was a four year old pre-K sort of thing, two days or three days a week. It was a few hours a day. And uh, I said to her, what about the mass? She says, no, I just said we're not doing that. (laughs) They they wanted all the kids to get vaccinated. She says, no, I'm not doing that. No. (laughs) Okay, we're not doing it. And she has. And part of that is because. I think she was homeschooled and she went, well, I don't have to send my kid to this this little pre-K. I could just take my child home and do it myself. Yeah. Just kind of Her a cute decision. little thing I'm doing because I'm having a baby now, but I could. So we want our kids to be able to say, I'm sending my child to this school, but I could take him out. 
Yeah. I'm sending my child or I'm homeschooling my child, but there's this fabulous math program at this private school. I might send them there. Right. You know, that have this attitude that I will do what is best no matter what it is. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And and that. some of that comes from sports. Yes, it does. It really it does. does. You know, so if, you, if you're hesitant about the sports programs or the, the competitive or putting the time and effort in, know that it, it really has some really extraordinary benefits. And it is time and effort and money. And um, it is money, uh, but look for other, there are ways to do it. Um, we we took advantage of CYO programs here, which are really helpful. Um, they tend to be less expensive. We had um, in New York here where I live, homeschoolers are not allowed to participate in um, the school district sports. Uh, they take my tax money gleefully and, <laughs> and a lot of it in New York State. They, they're taking they a lot take, of it. <laughs> they take a huge amount of it. And we were not allowed to participate in sports or music programs. So I had to fund all of that myself. So I couldn't do anything um, with the school, but there were a lot of club programs for um, soccer and baseball and things like that. And we use CYO for track. And now I have a, a, a kid running cross country for Ave Maria. So it worked out. American well. Legion used to run. I don't know if they still do baseball teams. They had American Legion club teams. Oh, did they? Oh, see, yeah. Yeah, if you, you, if have you to look little, around, you have to be a little creative sometime as a homeschooler. You do. But um, we also found that the, in the dojo, um, our sensei will do homeschool classes during the day because it's empty. Right. You know, so he'll give a little discount for that kind of thing. So, um, and we've talked to before in one of our podcasts about trying to find discounts for things, you have to be a little creative, but you can find ways to have your children participate in sports. Um, and there are lots of homeschool leagues now since home, since COVID homeschools become so much more mainstream right. and so much more common. And some states do let you participate in the, the school district sports. So look into it. Don't be afraid um, to let your kids participate and, and do well in it. I think it's really beneficial in a lot, a lot of ways. All the ways that we've just said, really, really beneficial. Well, anyhow, thank you for listening to us. Yes, we very, we very much appreciate it. Again, uh, like us and and rate us on wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, God bless you all. God bless you. Thanks again, and we will see you next Wednesday when the podcast drops again. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Seton Home Study School. Seton Home Study School is a nationally accredited, faithfully Catholic, private distant learning school that serves students from pre-K through 12th grade. There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, setonhome.org, for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms.